Why, hey there. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. Today on the show, I'm going to be giving you the specific features to look for in an ergonomic chair. Bust out those notepads if you can, or just hang around for the info. I got your back. Let's do this. Welcome to the Business of Ergonomics podcast. I'm your host, Darcy Jeremy. I'm a board-certified professional ergonomist with over 15 years of experience delivering ergonomics programs to employers of all different types. In this podcast, I share what other healthcare professionals are already doing and being with ergonomics assessments and how to land those clients that you dream of. Without further ado, let's jump into this episode right now. Chairs, am I right? They can be so confusing to recommend to your clients. Are you making the best recommendation out there? Are they getting the best? Are they happy with the results? What do you do if you recommend a chair that just kind of is crappy and doesn't help with your clients' comfort levels? In fact, it causes them more harm than any good. Well, in this episode, you're going to learn some of the information that goes into recommending a good chair and what to do to ensure that you are getting the best possible chair for your client. You know the tricky thing with the ergonomics industry? It's that things aren't set in stone. Every month it seems like there's new products, new things that you got to be aware of so that you can make an informed decision about what to recommend to your clients. So I want to say that if you aren't looking for monthly new chairs, new ergonomic equipment in general for the office, then you really have to be making that a priority. If you're running your own business, you should be marketing, setting that time aside every day to do some sort of outreach or marketing. And you should be setting some time aside to stay up to the date with the latest ergonomic equipment. I have information available if you haven't heard about my program called Accelerate the Business of Ergonomics. It's a way that I can give you time-saving resources so that you can focus on the most important thing in your business, getting those clients and doing those ergonomic reports. I like to think that I fill in the missing pieces with all those ergonomic resources that you need so you can do the stuff that really makes a difference. And just like that, paying attention to what's coming up, what's new and exciting is something that I have to do all the time because before you know it, you get tied into something else in your business and you're doing an ergonomic assessment just to realize that, wow, the world's changed and you have to dive into this research for a client. So a report that usually takes an hour to do can take four or five hours because there's just all this new stuff that you didn't realize existed. So as one friend to another, as one ergonomics professional to another, I want to make sure that you are setting some time aside. And what does this look like? Well, it can look like a search for some of your favorite ergonomic vendors out there, or it can look like a walk to or a drive to, depending on where you're living, to one of the chair sellers. And I like the upscale chair vendors that have the nicer chairs, but if you got nothing else 
at least going down to your big box store, like a Staples or an Office Depot or something to check out what's new and exciting, have a conversation with the salesperson if they're informed, and really planning to spend at least an hour there to see what the features are, what's the chairs that are on the market, sitting in them to see what's truly comfortable, bringing a notepad so that you can understand what types of chairs are good for what, what types of adjustments are available, so that when you do your next ergonomic assessment, it can take like a quarter of the time, half the time. This is stuff that is so useful. However, keep in mind, it's not billable. It's not billable. So you really have to schedule it out beforehand and stick to that schedule. So right there, that's the first thing I really want to recommend that you are good to go with, that you have that time set aside and you have a list of chairs that are working and you could recommend to your clients. The tricky thing with recommending chairs is that you might recommend a chair for a client However, they might not think it's awesome at all. So how do you bridge this gap? One way to do this is to work with a vendor and depending on that relationship, depending on the client, depending on a variety of things, they might be able to try out a chair for a week or so before they purchase it. And of course, you want to do your homework and only recommend one or two chairs that are kind of a toss-up, if it's that important. If you're dead on that you have a solution that you know is going to be really useful, then great, recommend that chair. For instance, something that's going to be really simple like um, a big and tall chair, and there's only a certain m amount of chairs like that that are on the market. Well, you know that that chair on the market that's available is probably going to work for a big and tall chair just because there's less options. However, for chairs that have really specific use cases or chairs that you know has to fit a complex case, I really want to encourage you to do your due diligence. So going back to that very first idea of having the time to research the options out there, the same is true with building relationships with chair vendors. You want to make sure that you have those relationships so if you're in a really difficult situation, they can give you some insights and maybe they can even drop off a chair to your client for them to try. They certainly have some skin in the game because if you recommend their chair, then they're going to get paid. And I say that jokingly because it's so obvious. So it's a huge win-win, a big win-win. And this is how you can sell this idea to specific vendors. And hey, you know what? If one of those vendors, those chair sellers, have the opportunity to say, hey, this is a great chair for you, but you know what? An ergonomic assessment by, by you, this great ergonomic service provider that you know, what a win-win situation there, my friend. So develop those relationships because you never know what you're going to get out of it. And you know that things like this take time. So start before you're ready. The next thing I'm going to give you is a list of things that I think is absolutely non-negotiable when it comes to recommending a chair that will work for your client. There is actually seven things, and I'm going to list these in 
and I guess the very, very, very most important to the least important. And things that I've learned over the years that work well, that don't work well, things to look for. And you know what? Looking at the past episodes that I've done, I don't think I've ever done an episode like this. So that's why I'm so excited to be sharing this with you today. We're going to start from the top. Lumbar lower back support. The lumbar support should be adjustable whenever possible. And ideally, this support should always be height, so it should be able to go up and down. And there's various ways that chairs are able to do this. And pressure adjustable. And there's also various ways a chair can do that too. Sometimes these types of back supports, they have like an air bladder in it. So you can pump it up or reduce the pressure. Or in other chairs, there's actually a piece that you can move out, like in the Herman Miller Aeron chair. You can actually move that lumbar support out, pull it out, turn it around. There's a different angle on the other side and push it back down. So depends on what type of chair you have there when you're doing an ergonomic assessment, but you want to make sure that there is some sort of adjustability. In most cases, like the base model of chairs, only the backrest height has that adjustment, that lumbar adjustment in it, and it's standard. And usually on the higher end chairs, you get into the pressure adjustments or some more features about the angle of the backrest. It's usually more of an expensive add-on. If you have the means and if that client has shared that budget with you, I've seen a lot of positive outcomes in having both types of adjustability in the chair, even if there's no pre-existing back pain. The next thing that I want to talk about is the synchro tilt function. So before I dive into this, the synchro tilt, this is a term that is only used in North America. In Europe, synchro tilt means something different. So I'll just tell you now. Synchro tilt is like a rocking chair. And I believe in Europe, synchro tilt is actually the back tilt. In North America, back tilt is called the multi tilt. Okay? So the thing that I'm talking about here is the synchro tilt functionality. And this is the ability to change the angle of the seat pan and the backrest. And they move together as a unit, like a rocking chair. Synchro tilt is a common feature for many, many, many chairs, like 90% of chairs that are on the market today. And these are going to be chairs that are marketed as ergonomic chairs. This usually comes with a free float function and a free float function and that feature, it makes the chair literally into a rocking chair. So sitting changes from a static type of movement to more of a dynamic movement because you can shift how the weight falls on that chair depending on the angle of the chair. But the thing here, to get that free float feature, you have to look at reducing the tension of the chair. And this is usually found in a couple of places, either below the seat pan, there's like a knob that you just have to turn, 
And then, then there's, it could be something on the side lever. So something to be aware of. But synchro tilt functionality is pretty important and it adds that level of adjustment. Those who have this typically like it a lot and they'll use it throughout their days. Not for every task, like when they're on the phone um, or when they're thinking or talking or brainstorming. When they're doing full-on deep work, computer work, then I tend to recommend for the synchro tilt to be locked in a place, in place. But having that synchro tilt functionality to change the angle of the seat pan can be really useful when you're adjusting that chair to fit specific complaints of a person. The next thing I want to talk about is the multi-tilt functionality. Now, whereas the synchro tilt, remember, we're just talking about North America here, that changes the chair into like a rocking chair type of format. A multi-tilt, it's one of my favorite features of a chair, is the ability to angle and lock the backrest into many different back positions. The multi-tilt function tends to be the standard option for higher end types of ergonomic chairs. I really love this feature. I think it's a non-negotiable. I think that you should be recommending this. So here's the thing, multi-tilt functionality will cost that client more. But the feature is a big value add. Since the research is now recommending that the most optimal back angle for comfort and longevity is actually slightly reclined between 95 and about 115 degrees instead of the traditional sitting upright posture of 90 degrees. Keep in mind that the entire workstation has to be adjusted so that you can accommodate that slightly reclined position. So that means the heights and the working heights have to be made for that new sitting position. Note to self, if you are doing this, you should be considering a follow-up. And that follow-up price should be within that initial contract. So you're not being charged out of your pocket to do these types of things. I strongly recommend that you charge your client a little bit more so you could do these follow-ups and, and do these types of extra things that will lead to a better client experience. Better client experiences leads to better referrals. So something to keep in mind in your back pocket here. So the multi-tilt function allows you to make the adjustment and easily lock it into place. And you can always have the multi-tilt combined with a synchro tilt on a chair. It's actually pretty standard. The next thing I wanna talk about and go with a little bit more in depth is the chair tension adjustability. And this is number four. So I talked about this related to the synchro tilt to allow your chair to be more in a rocking chair type of setup. And having the ability to adjust the chair's tension has also become a standard feature these days on new chairs. This feature controls the 
ease that you can do the synchro tilt function and how much give or flexibility you have with your free float function. And that free float function is related to that rocking chair ability of the chair. Less tension means more freedom of movement when the synchro tilt function is unlocked. And most of the time, this is a knob underneath the seat pan or a feature or a twisty thing on a side lever of a chair. Number five, let's talk about seat height adjustability. It's completely standard these days and has been for a very long time. The only word to the wise here when you are recommending a seat height and the range of height is the fit between what you're recommending and the circumstances of your client's situation. Obviously, higher workstations will require chairs that can go to a higher level, and that usually comes at a higher cost. We're moving on to number six. So we're almost through the list of things that you should be looking for when recommending a chair, and it's seat pan depth adjustability. This is something that is totally not available for lower budget chairs, and you have to recommend and educate your client on what the heck is involved with seat pan depth adjustability and why it's so important. It should be non-negotiable, especially for those people that are taller. So a seat pan is the part of the chair that you sit on, and it supports the thighs. There should be about two fingers between the edge of the chair and the back of the cast or the popliteal area. And if it's too short, then there can be a lot of discomfort with that chair. It can be really uncomfortable, especially in the lower back area. So for those folks that are especially tall, you have to really get a seat pan that will be able to match their height. You can look at things like a seat pan slider, and it's really recommended to get the best fit out of the chair. However, here's the thing. It's commonly overlooked, but fitting the seat pan can go a long way to solve lower back comfort and discomfort. And no, we're looking at this as countermeasures and being proactive. So additionally, if you are looking to purchase a chair that will be shared amongst many people, this feature will help fit maybe like 90% of the people due to its depth adjustability. For those who are very small or very large, one standard size chair will likely not be able to accommodate their thigh length. So you need to look at specialty sized chairs. The last thing I want to talk about here, number seven, is armrest adjustability. In my humble opinion, armrests have to be absolutely optimally fit for that user, or they should be absolutely eliminated from the chair. I know this is a very bold opinion, but I stand firm to it. There is research indicating that if it's an optimal setup, then Armrests are great at reducing upper extremity strain. But if it's not set up optimally, then in my opinion, it causes so much more harm than good. The options for armrest adjustability include height, width, 
and length. And here's the thing. For most moderately priced chairs, you're just going to get maybe one of these. It's just going to be height. And for the cheaper types of chairs, you might not even have height. And if you do, the height isn't going to be awesome. It's either going to get broken really fast or it's not going to give you enough height options to get something that's really fit to that user. And remember, you should be supporting a neutral elbow position that's comfortable. Setting up this chair is going to be something that's going to be so valuable for you to offer your clients. So the armrests should at least be height and width. And by width, that means that they can pivot towards the user or have some fancy design mechanism that allows them to be adjusted to be more narrow. So important, especially because we want to be able to accommodate all users, especially female users who have more narrow shoulders. So having that width is so important or else what's the point of having the armrests in the first place? They should just be eliminated. Personally, do I have armrests? No, I don't because I feel that I don't need armrests um, because I am hovering over my keyboard and I find that armrests tend to get in the way. And that is the perfect segue into my last point here. The armrest length feature is a useful adjustment if they come in contact with the desk and it prevents the user from getting close to type. So if the armrests are too long, then you can have more of a reach to the, the keyboard and the mouse. So that may cause the person to perch in the chair and not use the backrest. And that, my friend, is solving the problem, but causing another problem, the exact opposite of what we want to do when we are recommending anything to help our client in the office. And there you have it, the end of this episode, the seven features that I recommend and some insights that I've gleaned over the years of doing ergonomics assessments, how to find a chair that really works. Keep this in mind when you move forward, and I hope that this changes your perspective on really how exciting it can be to get into the world of office ergonomics. I do have tons of resources at your fingertips on my website, so be sure to check that out. If you want to continue your education in ergonomics, I want to help you. Until next time, my friend, if you found this to be useful, please share because it really helps to get the word out. Have a great day and I'll talk to you soon. You can get started with office ergonomics assessments today. Healthcare professionals are seeing the potential and opportunity to add office ergonomics assessments to their practice and services. Go to ergonomicshelp.com slash begin to get the exact seven-step process that works so that you can get started today without the confusion or overwhelm. Just head to ergonomicshelp.com slash begin now.